Kia welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, and with this podcast you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice, I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care, and this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all, so I hope you enjoy. In this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Hayley, and Hayley takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories with her beautiful daughters, Ruby and Ivy. Hayley's journey to pregnancy wasn't that straightforward because when she was around 20 years old, she had an eating disorder. So just a trigger warning for anyone listening to this episode, if um, eating disorders or talking about anorexia or any type of eating disorder feels uncomfortable for you we do discuss it in this episode so um, you may want to skip this one if that doesn't sound like something you're comfortable listening to so Hayley talks us through that and then how that impacted her when trying to fall pregnant she ended up doing um, IVF through the public waitlist so she takes us through that and then she talks through her pregnancy and birth with Ruby They also did IVF the second time around to fall pregnant with Ivy and luckily this was successful on the first time. She talks through that pregnancy and then into her second birth story. So there's so much more that Hayley covers in this episode but I don't want to ruin it for you so I'll let Hayley do all of the talking. I hope that you love the episode. I would absolutely love if you can take a screenshot of where you're listening and post it on your story and tag me at Kiwi Birthdales. I love connecting with you when you're listening to the episodes and it's so nice to see where you are in the world and what you're up to when you're listening. So would really appreciate that. But otherwise, I will stop talking now. (laughs) Let's jump into the episode. Hi, Hayley. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat through my story. (laughs) Awesome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm Hayley and I have um, my husband, Scott, and we live in Wellington. Um, And I've got two little girls. I've got uh, Ruby, who's literally just turned two. And then I've got Ivy, who is about almost two weeks old now. So two little (laughs) girls in my family. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you? Yeah, for sure. So um, actually, even before Scott and I got married, we knew we would probably have some sort of issues getting pregnant because when I was um, 20, so I'm 33 now, so this was yonks ago, um, (laughs) I actually had an eating disorder. So and that was anorexia. So what happened with that was it was quite a quite a quick process. So I actually um, spent it was probably about a year of my life sick and then in recovery. So Overall, I had an amazing recovery. It was like fantastic. But what happened from there is um, what they call uh, amenorrhea. So loss of menses or loss of period. Yeah. And, um, you know, for some some women, when you get to a certain weight or a certain point in your recovery, you can 
get your period back. But for some other women, it just doesn't come back. Um, so I was actually at that point where it just didn't come back. And we were mm. like, uh-oh, you know, we're going to have some sort of issue. So we might just need some sort of help. Um, so actually, before we got married, we went to Fertility Associates um, here in Wellington. And we had an awesome experience from the start. Um, and we knew that the waiting list would be a wee while long. So it was a couple of years long at that point. So we went on the waiting list before we were married. And this was obviously before we'd even, we're like ready for kids, but we're like, <laughs> we want to, we don't want to get to the point where we're ready for kids and then have to wait another yeah. couple of years, which a lot of people unfortunately have to do. Yeah. Um, so really grateful that actually Scott suggested going on the waiting list early at the point that we did. Um, yeah, so we went to Fertility Associates, had um, Dr. Murray, who is amazing, and I don't know if any of your listeners have met him, but you, I walked into the room and I was like, I'm going to get pregnant just looking at you. <laughs> he, is, he is gorgeous, but he's fantastic. Oh, he's a great doctor, um, and he's just made, made me feel so comfortable from the start. So even um, I actually went to the first appointment by myself from my own choice, um, just because I felt like this is my issue. Do you know mm, what I mean? So sure. I, yeah, I went in and he was like, oh, you're, you're by yourself. And I said, yeah, well, like, this is my problem. He was like, no, Hayley, it takes two to make a baby. Like it's <laughs> not, it's, you, you never know. It's not going to be all you sort of thing. And, um, we had done blood tests and things like that too. And he had found out that he was like, your egg counts great that, you know, everything, your age is fantastic. Cause at that point I was, would have been about 28, I think around that age yeah um and yeah and then from the get-go he was like oh you'll get pregnant easy like this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be easy and so from then I was like amazing this is so positive and I had a great experience from from him from the get-go which was great and obviously Scott had to go through some testing and his results were really good so we were really ideal candidates the only thing that was happening and this is what Dr Murray described to me was that I just my my body just hadn't kicked back into the period. Mm. So I just wasn't ovulating. So obviously if you're not ovulating, you're not going to get a baby. So he was yeah. like, cool, we'll just um, do something where we can actually help you along for, for that period of it. And um, when you get to the top of the waiting list, we'll just reassess where you're at and we'll go from there. So we waited, I think it was about two and a half years on that waiting list. So it's, it's, it's long. Yeah. Um, and this is for publicly funded. So obviously if you wanted to pay, you could go straight away. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, pretty pricey. It's about, I think it was about, at that time it was about 15 grand around. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. And well, I mean, we had time on our side, luckily. So we were able to go on the waiting list. And so when we got to the top of that waiting list, it was great because we'd been married and we'd traveled and done all this sort of stuff as well. So it was actually really perfect timing. Um, we went in again and uh, Dr. Murray was like, cool, we're going to actually try um, a form of IVF, but not full IVF. So I, I technically had to do um, the injections every day. Um, and then, so every day was one injection at night. Um, you inject yourself, which is quite mm -hmm. confronting because yeah. I just didn't even think about it. I was like, surely I've, you know, someone will inject me. And they, the nurse is like, oh no, you do it yourself. I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. So <laughs> yeah, the, the first one that I ever did, I absolutely munted it up and it would just bleed and all this, this stuff came out and I was like, how am I going to do this every day? But you just push through, right? If you want it, you're, yeah. you're going to do it. Um, so yeah, and there was one injection, um, every day for that. And then every third day you had two injections. So that was every night. And for the first round we did, um, I think I did that for about 
three weeks and then um, basically they were like cool so we'll prep your lining and, and prep your follicles and things like that and then we'll actually give you um, an ovulation injection and then basically you two go off and have sex and you make a baby hopefully right. you know yeah. so it's more it's more like stimulating kind of ovulation everything like that too um, now that that round um, unfortunately didn't work but it was we had a bit of funny timing because I had to travel and stuff like that too so we weren't quite sure if it was going to work so we gave it a go um, and when they were like oh you're not pregnant we'll just do another round I was like ah, that's okay like I didn't have that expectation straight away mm-hmm. um, and it was only kind of like a month out of our life sort of thing. So we got straight back into it for the second time. We, he, um, Dr. Murray said, look, we'll do the same thing again um, and just make sure your timing's fine and everything as well. So we did exactly the same thing again. I think it was about three to four weeks of injections. Um, and I was traveling for work at the time. So I had this little like lunch bag because you've got to keep them cold in the fridge. I had this little lunch bag of bloody injections, <laughs> which I couldn't tell anyone about, mm. you know. I was like, never mind. Uh, oh, yeah, this is just my lunch. People must have thought I was so weird, like taking my lunch to these like conferences and stuff. It was so embarrassing. But anyway, not to worry. Um, yeah, so did a, did another round of that. And um, it got to near the end of that cycle. And I went, you go in for a scan and they check your follicles and how they're producing and things like that as well. And Dr. Mara was like, um, whoa we should probably switch you to full IVF because this is, you've got so many follicles producing eggs and essentially I can't let you go off and have sex because you could have like eight babies. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, right. Okay, cool. So he goes, this was on a Wednesday and he goes, okay, so on, come on on Saturday for the egg collection. And I didn't, you know, I was quite naive. So I was like, sure. Don't really know much about it. And, um, let's just roll with it. And we did, and we went in on the Saturday, and they did a collection. We got um, eight eggs, um, and then six fertilized overnight. And then um, five days later, they were like, we'll do the transfer. And boom, that was Ruby. So (laughs) we were super, super lucky um, in terms of, like, our journey with IVF. Mm. I know a lot of people, um, I mean, to be honest, you tend to hear the horror stories, which is really unfortunate. So I think it's super important to hear some positive stories Mm. as well. Um, Yeah, so that was kind of like getting pregnant for the first time, and it was (laughs) super exciting. And yeah, yeah, it was was great. We were absolutely stoked. Yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling um, in that first trimester? Did you like have feelings that made you think, yep, I'm definitely pregnant? And how did your symptoms sort of progress in those first 12 weeks? Oh my God, yes. So like from, (laughs) oh, it was, yeah, it was horrific. So from week five, so it almost like, I just felt like I ran into a brick wall with like nausea. It was terrible. So I don't know why they call it morning sickness because it was literally from the moment I woke up mm, to the yeah. moment I went to bed was just so, so ill. Um, I also, and I was again traveling for work, so I was going to Australia quite a bit. And I um, I remember we were, we were in a meeting in Melbourne and I just fainted. I just passed out and just fell on the floor. And I was like, oh my God, like are you... What? And I couldn't tell anyone I was pregnant, obviously. And I was like, oh, mm. must be the heat. You know, <laughs> you make up all these stupid little excuses and yeah. stuff too. So... I had, I fainted quite a lot. I had a lot of nausea, um, migraines. I think the nausea with Ruby's pregnancy lasted to about 17 weeks. And I had to travel to Asia 
um, mm. at that point. So I was like getting on a long haul flight, like, oh, kill me now sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it did, it actually, it actually stopped when I was in Singapore, which was great. So, um, yeah, but I still had uh, bits and pieces kind of go on and go through, like I had heart palpitations and stuff, and then I had to go under an OB um, right. hospital because of that. So, I mean, it wasn't an easy journey, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like I kind of ticked a lot of boxes with lots of delightful symptoms throughout it as well. Yeah. And yeah. so did you have the um, obstetrician care for your whole pregnancy, or did you end up back under a midwife in the end? Um, I actually, so I started with the midwife and then she just referred me just for certain appointments to oh, the yeah. OB at the hospital, which was really yeah. nice because it was, it meant that I kept like, I, um, my midwife, Michelle, she's incredible. Um, uh, meant I kept that like relationship with her throughout, but then we just checked in on like the heart and, um, yeah. Ruby was very small. So she was like, um, kind of 11th percentile throughout the whole kind of pregnancy. So they did a lot yeah. of growth scans as well. Um, yeah, so it was it was kind of actually a really nice blend to have mm. an OB check those sorts of things, but also have your midwife that you could just yeah. see every you know couple of weeks as well. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. Awesome. And yeah. did you do all of the sort of other standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? And did you end up finding out the sex? Yeah, so um, I did your you know the normal. So we had the dating scan with Fertility Associates. Then we had the twelve week scan um, as you usually would, and the twenty week scan. We also did um, all the standard testing. We didn't do like the NIP test or anything like that. Um, And yeah, the twenty week scan. We uh, got them to put the gender into a an envelope, and then we went and did a big reveal with our family (laughs) as well. And that was it was quite um I don't know like I don't I want to say like confronting really with the gender because we just had in our heads and I'd always thought that I'd just be a boy mum <laughs> it was really weird and then yeah. um and Scott so Scott and I had this idea that we we're having a boy and then when we found out we we're having a girl and I don't look I'll be honest we were you get this feeling of disappointment, right? Yeah, and yeah. I and I feel horrible for saying that, but I know everybody thinks it. So yeah. you've just got to be honest, right? So you kind of mm. go, oh, my God. And I was absolutely shocked for, like, a few days, and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, And, and it was just bizarre. But mm. I'm so glad that we did find out for Ruby because I didn't – I wouldn't want that feeling at birth, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. You know? So – and um, – with her, it wasn't even a question. We didn't even question. We're not finding out. We just were like, yeah, of course we will. Like, <laughs> great, you know. Um, yeah, so it was it was um, really good to kind of and get all the nursery set up and all that kind of new mum, like first-time yeah. mum things that you do when you're all organised and you think about every little detail yeah. too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. And did it just take you those couple of days sort of after finding out um, that she was a girl to sort of ha- have those feelings of disappointment um, go away or did it last for a while? Like I know I get lots of messages about this on the podcast, so I'd be keen for you to sort of talk through that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, luckily for me, it only lasted a few days and then I kind of came to terms with it and I was like, okay, this is, this is cool, you know? Mm. Um, but I think for your, you know, for your, almost your whole life, if you think you're going to have a a boy and then you go, oh, actually it's a girl. And then, yeah, it just, you, you know, it's it's bizarre in your life when you think about something, you kind of plan ahead for it, and mm. it, that just doesn't happen. You've got no control of it. So yeah, it was yeah. just working through, well, this is the reality. We have 
zero choice and oh I wouldn't change it for the world now <laughs> and you don't know that at the time right so yeah, I think yeah my advice for anybody that's going through that is just to go once you push that baby out mm. you do not care what gender they are it makes absolutely zero difference I couldn't yeah. care if I had 20 boys or 20 girls it doesn't yeah. matter you know yeah um so just and but also recognize the feelings and acknowledge that you mm. are shocked or there might be if it's not disappointment it's a, a form of oh is it relief I don't know mm. just just sit with your feelings because it's normal you know yeah. but not many yeah. people talk about it so yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was all awesome. good cool and I guess I'm interested in terms of like I know you talked through um your eating disorder in your early yeah. 20s um, yeah so obviously it's a long time from then to when you fell pregnant but mm. our bodies change so much in pregnancy I'm I'm totally. curious I guess if that was um if that played a role in your pregnancy at all or if you mm. were just sort of so far past that that you didn't experience any feelings of um I don't know what the what the feeling would be that you yeah, would have, yeah. but yeah, I guess I'm just keen for you to um, talk through that as well. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question actually, and I'm really glad you brought that up because that was I think that was also one of the reasons that the OB checked on me quite a bit because mm. they were like, and you know what they like, they're very black and white, <laughs> so they were like, <laughs> yeah. oh, based on your previous history, we have to make sure you know stuff like this, and I was like, what? But then I thought. Actually, that's a really good point because um, from and this is also you know there's there's a type of community um, from recovery that you can still connect with, which is really good, and I'm still in touch with some of the um, girls that I was actually in the in-house patient um, system with. Yeah, and you can either you can go either way, right? You can either go, oh my god, I've gained a tiny bit of weight, I need to restrict, I need to do this, and and it's because eating disorders are all about control. So if you can't control something that's going on in your life, for example, you're going through a stressful time or whatever the trigger is, you can control what you eat. Mm. So um, that's generally what people will do. Um, otherwise, uh, the other way, and luckily this happened to me, I was like, it's not about me, it's about my baby. So yeah. I need to nourish my baby. I don't care what happens to me. Um, but this is all about everything that I eat goes to my baby, grows my baby. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, i from, from experience from people that I've talked to, you go either way. And yeah, I know a lot okay. of people actually have a relapse during pregnancy, which is so unfortunate and they yeah. would have to be under, you know, incredible, um, close eye. Um, and we, and it is, I think once you've experienced an eating disorder, it is always going to be, mm. it's always going to be there. It doesn't ever go away. There's always going to be thoughts and feelings that pop into your head every now and then. And it's about learning to control and recognize those. Yeah. So luckily I was at a, a great point um, where I could. So if I had any of those feelings, I was like, it's not about me. It's about my mm -hmm. baby. So, yeah. yeah, again, I was really, you know, grateful of actually having yeah. that time between yeah. the eating disorder and then getting pregnant because I could see how that would be such a trigger because yeah. obviously you put on weight, you know, and yeah. it's <laughs> and it's all in your belly and things like yeah. that too. And so that's a really triggering area for a lot of people as well. So. Luckily, I was um, I was fine, but yeah, yeah. medical uh, from the medical side of it. So the, the OB and I think my midwife too. They were really conscious of that, which I'm really yeah. happy they were too. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And right. what about um, like antenatal education? So did you do any antenatal classes or any other birth education sort of in preparation for your birth? Yeah, for sure. So Scott and I did um, an antenatal class. Um, in Johnsonville in Wellington and uh, 
it's a woman called Rachel and she was fantastic we got recommended by a couple of other friends she's a little bit quirky but she was awesome (laughs) um and she just made us kind of we were just laughing so it was a Monday night for about I want to say about eight weeks or something um and we actually had a really nice group um in the in the class as well so there's about seven couples which is a nice quite a nice size it wasn't huge yeah um and we're and yeah basically it just gave us because I actually didn't grow up with any children around me so I had no idea I was like <laughs> I've always been the least maternal person you've ever met right yeah. and Scott's like the, the maternal one <laughs> um so he 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 knew a lot about babies and I didn't I'd never changed a nappy before in my life until Ruby was born so <laughs> that was a really important class for me just to learn about um obviously what happens during birth but then afterwards as well and some mm-hmm. of the key takeaways were things like look labor is one day if you're lucky, um, <laughs> you know, and then your baby is around for the rest of your life sort of thing. So it's actually, it was a really important piece to go, just don't think too much about the labor. Yes, obviously know about the interventions and things like that that can happen, but you actually need to prep for breastfeeding if you're able to breastfeed mm. or how to swaddle your baby and all that aftercare, which yeah. was really important because particularly as first-time mums, you go, oh my God, labor, I can't get past the labor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was a great class, and we're still really close with quite a few of the couples um, yeah. from there. So I think out of anything, that was probably the best thing that came out of it. it was the yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, also great info too. And we we were like, you know, the class clowns. I remember asking. <laughs> um, I was like, so got a really important question. So when the baby is born, how long after can I have a wine? And, <laughs> and she was, and the teacher was just like what I was like oh god was that inappropriate <laughs> because it's true right I was like yeah. I need I need a beverage like it's been a while yeah. um so but it was cool and it was nice to be able to talk like openly with a group of people too so yeah it was yeah. great cool yeah awesome and did you have many thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go like did you want to do it at home or in the hospital or in the birth center what were your thoughts there yeah, cool. I should also mention as well, I did um, some reading on hypnobirthing. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, I did, I read, now there's a book called Confident Birth by um, Susanna Heli, and yep. she is um, a friend of mine who recommended it to me, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, it was, you could only get it from, like, the US, and it was, like, hundreds of dollars mm. for this little book. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So I actually um, emailed her. Um, somehow I found her email, did a lot of Googling, found her email and I said, look, is there any way that I can get your book in New Zealand? And she replied and she said, what's your address? I'll send you one. And so it was, it was incredible. She just like wrote a little note and she sent it all the way from Sweden to me. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, um, and it with that book, I cannot recommend enough. Every person that I've given it to has had a natural birth, um, or you know, with as least interventions as possible. Mm. Um, and that was awesome. It's a very small book. It's also got a section there for partners as well to read and um, support people, birth partners. Uh, so I read that book and I did, um, got a little bit through the Mongan method. Um, oh, yeah. But then Ruby was quite early, so I didn't get through the rest of that. But I did <laughs> think, um, we just in discussions with my midwife, we were like, oh, we would prefer to birth at the hospital just, just in case, you know, first times you never know what's going to happen and... I kind of had said to her, look, I'd prefer to have, um, you know, not many interventions if possible, but I was really open to everything too. And she um, kind of put it in perspective in a really good way. She said, look, we've got a toolkit to use at any time. And within that toolkit, you know, 
there's um, a C-section, there's epidural, there's gas, everything like that. And during your labour, you pick whatever you want and you can have access to any of it, but it's up to you. And I was like, cool, that's a really good way to think about it, right? So Mm -hmm. to go, I've got access to everything if I want it, um, but I don't have to have it. So that kind of went through my head throughout the pregnancy as well and going, well, we'll just kind of see how we go. Um, Yeah, so plan to have it at hospital and that's, yeah, where we did end up having Ruby as well. Yeah, awesome, cool. And do you want to take us through your labour starting and was it spontaneous and how far along you were and then into your birth story? Yeah, cool. So I was um, 37 plus 6, so it was a Friday and I remember feeling just some like, period type cramps right and I was like oh this is a bit weird like but I was you know at that early point where I was like I've still got weeks to go I'm a first-time mum everybody says you go overdue (laughs) especially when you're a first-time mum so I'd thought nothing of it so they happened all throughout that Friday and I did ring my midwife and said I'm just having these really like light cramps it wasn't uncomfortable it was just there you know um and so I and she said oh it's just your body preparing for labor it could still be weeks so don't worry it could be days we'll just see how you go I was like great cool carried on as normal (laughs) went out for a potluck dinner on the Friday night and had quite a late night with um friends and stuff but I was still feeling those which I didn't know were contractions um (laughs) but it actually ended up quite being quite good because by the time that we got home I was exhausted so I had a really good night's sleep um and then in the morning at about probably about 7.30, I woke up and I was like, hmm. Uh, and that, that was the day that I was 38 weeks. And yeah. I remember, remember texting um, my mum, uh, you know, the, I had the um, what to expect app. So, you know, you yeah. track through and you're like, oh, what yeah. fruit am I? What vegetable am I? And I screenshotted whatever it was and I sent it through and I was like, I don't think I've got two more weeks to go. <laughs> and she was like, oh, whatever, you know, again, first time mum, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I had, I remember going to have got up had breakfast I didn't say anything to Scott he was still in bed I was like we'll just I'll just you know roll along as we do um went and had breakfast and then I was like nah this is I'm pretty sure I'm in labor and because again you don't know what it feels like no one can describe it to you um and actually the point where I really knew was I had to go to the bathroom like five times straight away so my body mm. was just clearing everything out yeah. it was bizarre I was like oh this is not right yeah um and yeah, so the, the contractions actually just got stronger and closer together. Um, and Scott was using acupressure. We did a little acupressure class with through my acupuncture um, lady. And so he was using acupressure just on my lower back um, just to help through. And so I just laboured at home for a wee while, rang, rang the midwife and said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm in labour sort of thing. She's like, oh, cool, just time your contractions and let me know um, when you've got um, three, two to three in ten minutes. We're like, okay, great. Hung up the phone, timed them, and I already had three and ten minutes. I was like, okay, call her back. (laughs) So so she, um, so this was kind of throughout the morning, and she ended up coming with a um, student midwife who had been looking after us the whole time as well throughout the pregnancy at about 12, 12, 12.30. So about lunchtime she came, and by this point, I couldn't really move. It It was bizarre. I'm a really active person. I kept super active throughout pregnancy um I walked every day I did exercises all sorts of stuff and I thought I'd have one of those really active births when you're walking around and you're stretching and lunging Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff too but I literally could not move off the couch I was like prone on the couch Mm -hmm. and on a like lying over a swiss ball and I couldn't move it was it was quite bizarre so I was um 
using um, breathing techniques throughout each contraction as well. Um, and they were the ones that I learned in Con- Confident Birth, mainly, yeah. um, in that book. And so she came, she came at about uh, lunchtime and she was like, cool, well, um, yeah, you're definitely in labour, like I can tell. Um, let me, we'll do an examination if you want to find out how far along you are. I was like, cool, whatever, go for it. And she had a look and she was like, oh, you're five centimetres already. And I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> you know, I, again, didn't, didn't really know what to expect sort of thing. Um, and she said, well, let's give it... Um, let's give it a couple of hours and then we'll meet you at the hospital. And I remember thinking, I mean, a couple of hours. Like, I can't deal with this for another couple of hours because <laughs> it was quite intense by that point, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, she left to go do another call and um, she was like, meet us at the hospital soon and just give me a call if it really ramps up. And so at home I had Scott and my mum as well. And we actually, I remember we had, we've got a couple of cats as well, and the cats were acting so weird. So mm. that was like just this weird twilight zone. They knew I was in labour as well. It was really bizarre. Um, and I remember like after Michelle, my midwife, had left, I just rolled over on the couch and I said to mum, I don't know if I can like handle this much longer. Like I, mm. this is really intense now. I feel like I almost need to push. And she was like, okay, we need to go. <laughs> sort of thing. It's like, oh, God. And that was obviously the start of transition for me. So um, in hindsight, you know, it's a wonderful thing knowing about that. Yeah. And so we bundled everything, including myself, into the car. Um, and so the car ride from our house in Wellington to the hospital was about 25 minutes. And it was a Saturday afternoon in the traffic. Oh, oh it was Probably one of the worst moments of my life, that car ride, because I was in transition in the car and every mm. little, we got every bloody red light. We drove past people we knew on the motorway and they were waving yeah. out and I was like, don't let them see me. You know, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, so yeah, we eventually got to the hospital um, around, I think it was about 2, 2.30 by the time we got there and just parked in the car park, had contraction in the elevator, got out. Scott ran ahead to go and I don't know where he, he went to the maternity ward to find the midwife or something anyway. Um, and so I was walking with mum, just walking down the corridor, and I had this huge contraction, and I just fell on the floor and just, like, gripped her ankle, and she was just standing there awkwardly like, I don't know what to do, you know. So then I managed to kind of get my way into um, – maternity ward and went into the room that they had all set up and I walked in and they're like oh just you know get comfortable you can leave your clothes on I was like nah I just ripped all my clothes (laughs) off and I just got on the bed I was like let's just get this done um and yeah the contractions at that point were incredibly intense um and I think I would say probably from from the time I got in the car up into into the hospital I lost my breathing like momentum because yeah, it was yeah. so out of control. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know how, yeah. So I didn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't understood what that would be like, uh, even after the, you know, reading and stuff like that too. I mean, you know, transition gets to a point, it's just like, wow, okay, that's overwhelming. Mm. Um, anyway, when we got there um, and I undressed and things like that, she was like, um, Michelle, my midwife, had, a, had another look. She was like, you're 10 centimetres, you're good to go. So within about two hours, I went from five to 10. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, it was pretty, that was why it was so intense. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, um, I actually ended up pushing for about two and a half hours. So it was a really long time. Um, I ran out of energy pretty pretty quickly, um, which was really unfortunate. And I think, um, and this is something that I'll cover in my second story as well, was that I didn't eat 
at all really during the day uh, I had yeah, breakfast yeah. and I went to the toilet straight away and just it was just then there was nothing so I had no energy mm. um yeah so I tried different positions with pushing I was on the bed so I was lying on my back which again in hindsight I'm like not a great position <laughs> to get a baby <laughs> out um I tried rolling over sort of thing but I just found it so hard to to move and just lack of energy and I remember yeah. them giving me like barley sugars and things like that too and I just couldn't have anything in my mouth I was like nah get it out um, and, uh, Ruby was, was right there for ages. Like she was almost crowning for a long time and they would have every now and then a hospital midwife would come in and check in on us. And, and she was like, Oh, you're going to have this baby in like two pushes. And then like an hour later, I was still going. I was like, why did they say that? Mm. Um, but yeah, Michelle said, look, I think we should give you an episiotomy cause she's just, she's right there and she's just not coming through. I said, look, dude, just, that's fine. So she did, um, give me a wee snip. And then pretty soon after that, and her coaching me through the right way to push, um, Ruby's little head popped out, <laughs> which was really, I was like, oh my God, the relief. It was yeah. amazing. Um, and then they were like, whoa, 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 just wait, wait for your next contraction and just slow it down and then we'll get her body out. And um, Scott was, so I had Scott on my left hand side, mum on my right hand side and one midwife on each leg. So I had like these <laughs> four people all around me. It was great, like just helping me through. Um, and Scott could see everything, which was awesome. And he really wanted to do that. Um, and yeah. And then the next push, her body came out and he said, she just came out like a corkscrew, like, <laughs> like flew out after that. And then boom, she was on my chest because yeah. they chucked her up there straight away. And we all just were like, Ooh, started <laughs> crying after bloody two and a half hours. I was like, thank yes. the Lord for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the relief was oh, nothing you ever experience in any other way. So yeah. it was fantastic. And I just feel really grateful that day. Um, and this is Michelle, my midwife. She's amazing. She just put her straight, Ruby straight on my chest. And um, basically she latched pretty soon after that. So it was pretty, pretty amazing, which was great. Oh, they, yeah. they did also, she did also give me, um, the oxytocin injection to help the placenta come out. Okay. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, just cause I was so exhausted Yeah, and, um, it came out really quick and it was, it was all really easy. And she gave me a few stitches and bits and pieces from the episiotomy. And, um, then we're in a happy little bubble. So it was quite the journey. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. I do. Well, I will mention as well. They did say, um, when we got there, she was like, do you want, um, gas? Do you want anything? I was like, nah, nothing. Because I was quite nauseous throughout the um, uh, labour, and I thought that would make me worse. And I don't know, I just didn't. Mm. I was like, nah, don't give me anything. I'll just, <laughs> I just want to get this done. So, yeah, it was great. It was awesome, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, cool. And yeah. did you stay in the hospital for very long after her birth, or did you decide to go to birth care or to home? What did you do from there? It was it was great actually because having no no drugs or anything like that meant I could basically walk straight after. Mm. So once I'd been stitched up and um, Ruby had fed for a wee while, they took her to do her checks and I went and had a shower. Um, so obviously I felt like a skeleton because you're just so empty, right? Um, so I had a shower and came back and things and they said, look, Wellington Hospital's actually like full. You can stay, but Scott can't stay, but we could see you. Um, you could go out to Kinaparu and then Scott could um, stay with you there and we were like cool so literally two hours after I gave birth we walked out of the hospital um <laughs> with this newborn baby and we yeah drove and of course 
Bloody Scott didn't get gas the night before like I asked him to. So we had to stop for gas and, you know, all those sorts of things as well. Um, but we ended up driving to Kinaparu and we stayed there for two nights just in our little bubble. Everything was fine. Like we were absolutely fine, but it was just quite nice, particularly for your first to just stay there and be in a warm little cozy room and just kind of establish yourself and your little family. So, yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cool. And how did you find those first sort of few days and, you know, that first week of um, adjusting to being a mum and your milk coming in and all of those sort of hormone changes and just like lack of sleep. What did you um, find that first week like? And then how did you sort of progress from there? I think, um, well, so we didn't really, you know, everybody talks about that horrible night too. Um, We were fortunate with Ruby. It was different with Ivy. I can say that. (laughs) Um, with Ruby, we didn't experience that. So we just kind of carried on with the colostrum was there for a few days and we just fed every couple of hours and slept and things too. Um, obviously you're exhausted, but that first night's weird because mm. you're just buzzing. So yeah. I remember being like, I really need to sleep, but all I can do is stare at the yeah. that's yeah. there, you know. Um, I will mention as well, Ruby was really small. So she was actually born at... Um, 2.66 kg so five pound eight so she was yep. teeny um so they also were like well we need to make sure that um we'd prefer you to stay for two nights in hospital just to check that she's feeding right but that that was that was definitely not a problem um hmm. so yeah the first kind of week was interesting I just remember my when we went home it was like amazing to be home and everything but then my milk started to come in on day three-ish I think it was and um oh my god because I'm quite little I had it was like I had implants. It was bizarre. <laughs> like, they, they're just these huge boobs. Like, I couldn't believe. I was like, man, these are going to weigh me down. And um, just having that. And then my supply has been incredible. So, like, yeah, I've been really lucky. And Ruby latched, like I said, straight away. Yeah. So just getting used to that um, flow and and kind of into the routine of, of feeding every few hours at home as well. I mean, you're exhausted, right? You're like a walking yeah. zombie for yeah. the first three months for us anyway and um but it was it was cool you know it's the middle of winter obviously July end of July baby um so it was really nice to just stay home and just have visitors every now and then we were it was good because people didn't bombard us because a lot of mm-hmm. our friends have babies already so they know not to just jump on in they know to wait yeah. for the invitation you know yeah. which is good um, my mum was amazing. She did lots of cooking and baking and things like that for us as well. So we didn't have to cook for ages too. And Scott's parents actually live next door to us. So they were super helpful um, oh, as well. So we've got a really, yeah, we're lucky with our little village that we've got as well. Michelle came over to do the yeah, your checks and stuff. And Ruby had lost a little bit of weight. And being a small bub, that was really like quite an issue. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she said that, um, that she'd lost weight, I just bawled cried and cried and cried and couldn't stop and I'm not a crier in life mm. and I literally I'd be talking having a normal conversation just tears would be pouring out <laughs> so just go, mm. I don't know what's, I don't know what's wrong with like I just cannot even talk um so that was but for me again that was just a day of that and I just actually went out mm. and went in, like for a little tiny walk because I couldn't really you know walk that much and um yeah, and that actually helped just getting outside and just getting away um but yeah it just it was it was like a tap in my eyes it just mm. wouldn't stop. It was it was really weird. Um, and just recovery-wise for the episiotomy, it was quite sore um, just with the stitching. So obviously every time you go to the toilet, it's like quite stingy. Yeah. Um, so having a having the old um, pump bottle to help <laughs> spray water on the area is really good. And also um, 
um, this pink, this pink spray bottle. Um, oh, Viva La Volva. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of that. It's, yes, that was really good have. as well. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So I had that yeah. as well um, to help with the area too. So, yeah, the recovery from that was, um, yeah, painful. But, I mean, it's nothing compared to labour. So you just deal with it. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got a new baby yeah. there too, right? So you've got yeah, totally. something else to think about. <laughs> totally. You're like, well, it's worth it, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Awesome. And how, I guess, um, I obviously know that you've got another baby now. So yes. when um, Ruby was little, did you know the sort of age gap that you might want to try and have? Or did you know that you wanted to try and have another baby? What were your thoughts there? Yeah, so I didn't, I kind of wanted about a, a two-year gap. Yeah. Um, I think reasons mainly for that is like I come from a family of three, so I've got two older brothers. We're all two years apart and we're really close and things like that now, you know, so it's it's nice to have that. I didn't mm. really want a massive gap or anything like that too. I suppose as well for us, we, um, when Ruby was about six months old, we went back to Fertility Associates to figure out what the process is for your second. Yeah. Um, I should have mentioned as well, so we had six embryos. Ruby was implanted, so she was first, and we froze the other five um, yeah. with Fertility Associates. So we, we had five ready to go, um, yeah. which is a great result. Um, so we went back, and, yeah, Dr. Murray said, look, basically, um, when you when you want to have another one, you need to stop breastfeeding um, to get your hormones back to a normal place, and then we'll give you some blood tests. And then we will um, we can just basically give you some some drugs no injections this time because the hard part's already done which is great um and then we can do the transfer and we're like great that's that's really easy mm. um so when it kind of i was doing obviously the maths in my head when i needed to kind of stop mm-hmm. and breastfeed we had a great breastfeeding journey i um breastfed ruby for 14 months and that was me like maxing it out i was like, i need to stop because otherwise i'm not going to be able to have the time to get pregnant and have that kind of two-year gap um so it was more about weaning myself off, to be honest, with breastfeeding. Um, yeah, so uh, at that point, um, yeah, 14 months, basically, we went back to Fertility Associates. They did some checks, um, some blood tests for us. Uh, and I remember the nurse, one of the nurses ringing me, and she said, like, you must feel like crap. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, your estrogen levels are like basal, like non-existent. Mm. I was like, wow, yeah, I do feel crap. Like, I was really, really tired, and I just put it down to just I, I went back to work at six months when Ruby was six months um so but that was only three days a week but still I was like oh, I'm working and yeah being a being a mom all oh, that just must be why I'm tired um but yeah actually medically my estrogen was like basal so yeah right. that kind of makes sense I was like oh yeah. nice to actually have that validation you know to go oh, yeah. I'm not just making this up in my head yeah uh so from from there um so I stopped breastfeeding had some the blood tests and then um, all I needed to do was take um, estrogen, which was great. So that's an oral oral pill, and also um, progesterone, which is um, it's actually in the form of a pessary. So you have to actually yeah. put it up your vagina, um, which is not not nice. But hey, you do whatever you need to do. And um, yeah, so we did that for a couple of weeks, and then they did another blood test, and they said, "Cool, you're good to go for the transfer." So um, we went in had and it, this is quite bizarre they do I, I remember asking them, I was like so when you defrost the embryo <laughs> um like how long does it take to defrost and they said it takes 16 minutes to defrost an embryo random <laughs> random piece of information for you um but they what they do is they defrost it on that morning they check that it starts to grow again 
yeah. um, and then they'll text you and say, yeah, cool, we're good to go. Um, obviously, you've got an appointment time and you go in and then it was just the transfer. So the transfer, I had the same doctor do the transfer. He was great. And it's basically like, what it's, it's quite bizarre because you can see it on um, the ultrasound. So the ultrasound is on your tummy, um, on your uterus. And then you um, they've got this huge kind of, it almost looks like a syringe, right? So a big tube yeah. that they put the embryo through and they almost like fire it through there. And you can literally see in the ultrasound, the embryo fly into your uterus. It's amazing. Wow. Like yeah. it's incredible. And so you see it just go shoo, like into, into, <laughs> into the abyss. And then you go, cool, please stick little one. And, um, and then you carry on your day as normal. And you just, you're not meant to change anything. You're not meant to like, I don't know, not exercise. You're just meant to do your normal life. Um, and that, that one that was um, transferred was Ivy. So again, oh, we wow. were so lucky. Yeah, it was just take some oral drugs, do the transfer, you're <laughs> pregnant. Um, I didn't mention with um, Ruby's pregnancy, because it was probably more so with um, IVs, is that that two-week wait period that mm. you have. Um, I'm not sure if you heard about that. So you've got the, the transfer, and then you've got to wait. Um, it's about 10 days, then they'll do a blood test and check your HCG. So yeah. that is like the worst 10 yeah. days of your life because I think yeah. with Ruby, I was a bit like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. But with Ivy, I was like, oh, my God, please, you know, like, let's, yeah. I knew the process, you know. So um, I had, <laughs> I remember we had, we were going to go to Beavana on the Friday night, right? And the blood test was on the Friday. So I knew I'd find out on that day. So I was like, either I'm not drinking at Beavana or I'm going to have <laughs> a, a massive blowout, <laughs> <'cause Yeah. laughs> you know, either way. Um, and then they didn't call me to about three o'clock in the bloody afternoon. And they were like, yeah, congrats. Your HCG levels are about, they're about 300. So really high straight away. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant again. So um, I got, and actually sneakily, I had um, done a couple of pregnancy tests throughout the week, which mm -hmm. is really naughty. And I wouldn't recommend that, but I could already see a faint line. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is my head messing with me. Um, so yeah, so I actually, when Scott got home, I gave the pregnancy test to Ruby and, and she ran up to him and he was like, what? I was like, we're pregnant again. He was like, what do you mean? Like he, he obviously knew it was happening, the whole process, but to have two successful rounds straight away, like mm. we just felt so, so lucky, um, super lucky. And yeah, obviously I still went to be Havana and then had to tell my friends <laughs> that, that I was like, sorry guys, like I'm not going to be drinking for a wee while. Mm. So I was the sober one at Biavana last year. How were you feeling in this pregnancy? Was it much different to um, Ruby's pregnancy in terms of your first trimester? Well, it was unfortunately even worse. Um, oh, no. So I, I like, I don't know how it got worse, mm -hmm. right? Like surely for the first one, that was horrific, but with Ivy's, yeah, it was the the day I turned five weeks, so it was on a on a Friday. I was still exercising and everything like that too. I do um, an exercise um, thing called Move It Mama, so it's mm -hmm. on online and it's fantastic. And I was I did a Move It Mama that morning, and I was like, because it's it's hit training, so like high intensity, um, like twenty minutes sort of thing. And I just was like, oh, I'm oh my god, I feel terrible. Like I was just had no energy and I felt nauseous straight away and I was like, I don't know if I can do these workouts any anymore. As soon as that day hit, I was like vomiting, just uh. nauseous twenty four seven. And with Ruby I, I, I probably only vomited from about week twelve. From Ivy it was week five. Vomit. Oh, like no. it was terrible. It was it was even worse and just 
I think as well when you're chasing after a toddler and you're working and I mean you'll you'll know what it's like right they're mm. feeling that nauseous and things like that too it's yeah. just horrific yeah it's hard and work. It was, um yeah yeah and I um I manage a skincare center called Skintopia in Wellington and it was around the busiest time of the year because it was November, December. And I, um, you know, obviously managing it, I'm front of house sort of thing. Mm. And I uh, just having, I was literally gray. Like, I don't know why people didn't say anything to me like, are you all right? <laughs> uh, so I had to tell my team really early on to be like, look, I'm sorry. just Because I'd have to go out, run out the back room and just vomit all the time and mm. and try to be quiet because there's a, a facial going on next door. You know, things <laughs> like that. It was just ter- and a massage going on next door. It was terrible. Um, so... Yeah, it was it was even worse, and it was to about twenty weeks the vomiting, and then it went away, and then it came back at twenty four weeks, went away, came back at like twenty eight weeks, went away, came back at thirty weeks. It was it was pretty much the whole time, which was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I had heart palpitations again, but when you do expect those um, migraines, I didn't faint this time, which was good. <laughs> I think that was a blood sugar thing as well. Yeah, um, and. Also, throughout um, this pregnancy, so at week, like the day I turned uh, 13 weeks, um, I was, because I'd get home from work and I'd just lie in the bed and Scott would just have to look after Ruby because I was just mm. a sack, you know. Um, and so I remember what, that day I got home from work, lay down on the bed, fell asleep at like seven. I remember at about nine o'clock I woke up to go to the toilet and I sat up and I um, walked and started walking to the bathroom and I was like, oh my God, am I like, am I peeing myself? Because I could feel drips <laughs> down my legs. And I was like, what's going on? And I went, got into the bathroom and there was blood everywhere. Ooh. And it was, yeah, it was, her, I was like, oh my God. And of course at that stage you're like, oh my God, I'm having a miscarriage. Like mm-hmm. we had just told everybody because it was 13 weeks. Yeah. And I just, I've, oh god it was horrific you don't know what yeah. to think and anyway I was just sitting on the toilet there was blood everywhere all in the bathroom it was just disgusting I just remember and Scott had popped next door to his parents to do something and I rang him and I was like he was like you okay I was like there's blood everywhere like just obviously losing the plot and he was like oh yeah. and he ran over and his parents came over and then my mum came up and stuff as well and um we actually ended up like we rang my midwife um who wasn't on call that night so mm-hmm. I, I got another one she was lovely but she said, look, there's actually not much we can do at the moment. If you keep bleeding, you need to call the ambulance. Uh, oh, sorry, you, you can go to hospital um, if you want to, you know, check in on that. But mm-hmm. there's nothing they can do in the middle of the night, you know. Like, we'll get you in for a scan tomorrow. I was like, nah, this is this is not right. So we actually ended up calling the ambulance because there was a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, and they they came up and they were great. And they were like, look, and I didn't want to get off the bed. So by this point, I was back on the bed. And I was like, I don't want to get off the bed because I feel like I'm going to bleed more. And they were like, you will because it's your vagina is like a cup, right? So when mm-hmm. you sit up, it, it'll tip out. And so, of course, it did. And we ended up going to hospital. Um, and we were there basically till 3 a.m. with some – I had a line put in. And they um, ended up – they checked my cervix and stuff. They were like, it's closed, which is really good. Um, but we'll do a scan. And they did a scan. And when we saw baby's heartbeat, we were like, oh, thank God, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we ended up going home and then in the morning I had, um, a scan, another scan at the, um, ultrasound place we go to and they could see, um, what's called a subchronic hematoma. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically like a massive bruise at the bottom of what well, was at the bottom of my, um, uterus and it can be caused by various different things. So like your placenta detaching and things. Um, but they found I had a really low lying placenta. 
Um, so that could have been causing the bleeding. It was just, you could <laughs> see it in the ultrasound, this huge like sack of blood. And so that was obviously yeah. what had come out. It was bizarre, but baby was fine. So we just kind of had to carry on and I wasn't allowed, we weren't allowed to have sex or anything like that. You weren't allowed to do anything. You can't even, when you've got a subchronic hematoma, you're not even allowed to have an orgasm because your uterus contracts and you can bleed. Oh, wow. So you're just like, you're on like tight watch, you know? And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I couldn't even bloody walk anyway because I was vomiting all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> it was just, this, I was in a state, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, it was, it was life. And um, so we, yeah, just you kind of just have to let it do its thing. And the bleeding stopped like the next day, which was great. And um, then, so that we kind of forgot about that. At the 20-week scan, um, my placenta was still low. So we had to book in growth scans at uh, 24 weeks and 28 weeks to check placenta. Mm -hmm. And it did eventually move up, um, which was great because we were concerned about placenta previa and having to have yeah. a um, cesarean as well. Um which, if it happened, whatever, doesn't matter. But I was, yeah, lucky that it did move. And then yeah. at 31 weeks, um, I was in the in the morning before work. I bent over to pick something up or whatever, and I remember coming back up, and I felt like a almost like a rip um, in my in my uterus. I was like, that's mm. that's weird. And that I was like, I might just wear a pad that day because I don't I don't feel like this is right. And then of course at like five o'clock when I was still at work, I was like, I don't feel right and I went to the bathroom and there was again just blood everywhere I was uh, like what is the what is going on so yeah. I called my midwife and she was like I'll meet you at delivery and I was like I'm 31 weeks I don't want to have this baby now um so went there and yeah had had to stay in the hospital for a couple of nights then because when you bleed that late in pregnancy it can bring on labor um luckily it didn't and again that was unexplained so we didn't even know what caused that so right it's just a, a yucky bleed Again, so this pregnancy mm. was a little bit, a little more testing. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Delightful. I guess, yeah, if we, um, if we put all that aside for a second and talk about mm. the sort of standard testing, I guess because you were having those extra scans and stuff, you, yeah. um, you know, you were being checked in on relatively often, but did you find out the sex in this pregnancy as well? No. So what we did for this one, I didn't want to find out. Mm -hmm. um, it was so controversial for like everybody that I tell be like, what? So I yeah. didn't want to find out, but Scott did because yeah. he obviously would have been like, oh, it'd be cool to have a boy. And I was like, I yeah. don't care because after they come out, you don't, you don't mind. And I was like, this is the one chance I get to have a surprise. So I don't want to find out. Um, but when we went to the 20 week scan, we got um, our sonographer to write it down on a, you know, print it out on the thingy. And I gave that to Scott. I said, look, oh, yeah. it's your choice if you find out, but you <laughs> you make sure. Like, I was like, I will never speak to you again if you let yeah. you tell me, <laughs> you know. And, and I was like, I, he was like, have faith. I was like, I have zero faith in you not telling <laughs> me. Um, so he actually did find out, but nobody else did. So he yeah. did really well and didn't, I don't know how he did it, but he yeah. didn't tell anyone. He didn't even slip or anything like that. It was really good. Um, so it, nobody else knew apart from Scott. There were, but there, but that was a bit, a bit hard on the mind because it was like he would say something and I'd like, oh, does that mean it's a boy or does that mean it's a girl? Uh, you know, and you read yeah. into stupid things like that as well. So, but I see where he's coming from because with Ruby's pregnancy, I had to find out. But with yeah. Ivy's, I was like, I don't, I don't need to. But I see yeah. where he was coming from. So I was like, look, it's only fair. It's your. It's your child too. And an interesting thing, the sonographer said, look, if, if Hayley, if you say you don't want to find out, I can't 
write it down. Like it has to be your choice. It has nothing to do with the father. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's a bit rough on him. But anyway, um, so yeah, we didn't, we didn't, um, technically didn't find out. But we did all the same testing that we did with Ruby. So your normal, yeah. like that horrific glucose test and all that delightful <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and everything was really normal in the growth scans and, um, Ivy was a lot bigger than Ruby okay. um, in terms yeah. of in terms of her growth, which was really good, um, and it's really nice as well the second time around because they plot your growth on a chart that's made for you based yeah. on your body and your previous birth, um, your previous um, child as well. So instead of going, oh, this is where you sit eleventh percentile in the mm. population, you're like, oh no, no, this is a good size for you. Yeah. So yeah, that was it was really reassuring as well, which is yeah. good. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And did you do any birth education this time around? Yeah. So this time I read heaps more books. So I read about five books um, on hypnobirthing. So um, there was one called Your Your Birth, Your Baby or Your Birth, Your Body um, mm-hmm. by Holly LaCruz, I think it was. And that was really good. Um, there was holistic hypnobirthing, which I read as well, which was really good. I finished the Mongan method. <laughs> um, I also reread confident birth and then I did read Ina May's guide to childbirth as well. So yeah. I would every night just go and have a bath and like basically study. And I loved it. And I loved every yeah. second of it because I was nice. like, I've done this before. I can do it again. And I really wanted to, um, ref- like on reflection, I was like, so based on my previous birth, what I didn't cope with so well maybe was the transition period and the pushing so mm-hmm. if there's anything I can improve on I can improve on those and that's basically what I was studying for so yeah but we didn't need to do antenatal classes or anything and we had our support group around us too so yeah yeah it's good yeah awesome cool and did you want to give birth in the hospital again was that your sort of plan yeah we discussed that and I mean um Michelle said, look, because I was lucky enough to have the same midwife again, because that's a benefit of an IVF pregnancy, you know, when you're two weeks pregnant. So I was like, yeah. straight away, can I book you? Which is yeah. great. Um, so I said, she said, look, we, we probably need to be um, prepared for an unplanned home birth for you because relative, like your labor was relatively quick last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally it can be quicker for the second. So I was actually really open to having a home birth. Um but we also said, look, hospital is another good option just in case anything goes wrong. Um, and the main reason I wanted to go to the hospital was because of the pool, because I wanted to do a water bath this time, um, which wasn't really a consideration really last time. I don't know. It just, I mean, I couldn't even stand during labor, so I couldn't even get in the bath. But um, this one, I was like, I feel like water is going to be um, more relaxing. It's going to help mm. with to stretch, you know stretch perineum and things like that too so hopefully I don't have to have an episiotomy um and just a really gentle way for a baby to come into the world so yeah we had both options there yeah 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 awesome cool and do you want to talk us through your labor starting and um how far along you were and then into your birth story with ivy yeah cool so um one <laughs> one thing that was really hard at the end of this pregnancy was that so obviously I had ruby at um 38 weeks with Ivy, I actually went to 40 weeks. So as soon as I went to 38, I was like, I'm overdue, you know? And, and because everybody had been saying to me throughout the pregnancy, oh, you'll have her early. Oh, you'll have your baby early, you know? Mm. Um, you know, because that's generally what happens. They follow the pattern. I wish I didn't listen to that. I really wish I was just like different pregnancy, different baby, different mm. labor. So um, I was so uncomfortable in those last two weeks and it really played on my mind, like, uh, yes, 38 weeks on the dot. I was like, where's this baby? Like, what's yeah. what's going on? So I actually um, 
had the time off. So I finished up work, I think about 37, 38 weeks. And so I was kind of like tottering around, like, what the hell am I going to do with my time? Because I didn't have any time off with Ruby because she just came so early. Um, and so I'd just be like each day, go for a walk. And it was a bit Groundhog Day-ish. Um, I just remember being like, God, I just want this baby out. And you get really mm. impatient and things too. So anyway, on um, got to 39 plus six again. And um, I went to my midwife for an appointment. And I um, said to her, look, I'm really over this now. And she was like, that's mm. good. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, that shows me that your body is like getting ready to like sort this out. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is the last <laughs> thing you want to hear. Right? I was like, just, get, yeah. just I said to her, I can see why people get induced. I never wanted to be induced um, particularly, um, but I could see why people, so see why people do it because it's yeah. so uncomfortable. And you can't sleep and you pee like five times a night yeah. and it's just, you can't eat and ugh, it's just terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, I, yeah, so I said to her, look, what do you think about a stretch and sweep? Because she, she didn't suggest it, but I did because I was like doing all the research I could. I was, mm. you know, using the evening primrose oil, drinking the raspberry leaf tea, walking all the time and still exercising right up until that day. Yeah. Um, and um, Move It Mama do pregnancy safe workouts. So I was doing oh, nice. those as well, which was really good. And it involves a lot of squatting. So I was like, surely I'm, I'm good <laughs> to go, you know. Um, so, yeah, we had, um, and she said, yeah, cool, we can do a stretch and sweep. Um, there's no evidence that it, it kind of works before 41 weeks, but I'm happy to do it for you if that, you know. And it's also a good way to check where your cervix is at. So she did that for me, and she said, oh, your cervix has already moved right forward, and it's um, half a centimetre dilated already. And I was like, amazing. Mm-hmm. So she was able to give me a very vigorous stretch and sweep, which was yeah. um I mean, they're not comfortable, right? But no. I was like, at least let's just bloody get this thing going. Um, and I obviously didn't have one with Ruby, so I didn't really know what to expect if it was going to mm. work or anything. Anyway, so I had that in the morning um, with her, that appointment. And then she said to expect some, you know, like bleeding and things like that. Um, and like a bit of a bloody show that can happen. And some parts of the mucus plug can come out. And so it kind of, I had little bits of that kind of throughout that day. And then that night, I just, I knew I was going into labor. I was <laughs> like, this is it you know you just know the second time I was like this is it so I was like rushing around I was like I've got to get to bed because I need to have a good night's sleep um and I started to have very light very light contractions every 10-15 minutes sort of thing but it was it was nothing really um so I went to bed woke up during the night to pee a million times as you do um (laughs) and I felt them each time as well and I was like cool this is good and I was so excited and then the um, the morning hit, and I was like, "Yep, I'm definitely it's happening today." And that was my due date. So um, I was like, I text text mum in the morning, and I was like, "I think we're gonna have a due date, baby, today." <laughs> she was like, "Oh, I'm a little excited." And it was weird because Ruby was 38 day uh, 38 weeks on the dot, and yeah. Ivy was 40 weeks on the dot as well. So um, yeah, and so that morning I left it to about um, we I actually arranged for Scott's mum to come pick up Ruby because I usually have her on a Friday. This was a Friday, and um, it was really weird emotionally. So that morning before Scott's mum came to pick Ruby up, I just burst into tears and Scott was like, what's wrong? And I was like, it's Ruby's last day as an only yeah. child. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. this weird feeling. And I had this feeling throughout pregnancy that I was going to dread giving her over to somebody mm. else because that was like, when am I going to next see her? And because of RSV at the moment, she she's not able to go into the hospital. Um, yeah. Children aren't. So I was like, I'm not going to see her. Da-da-da. Anyway, I got, got over that be, we crying thing and she left and she was happy as, I mean, she has no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was, it was really, so I would, yeah, a piece of advice for people that are about to have their second, just be aware of that, that that can happen. Mm-hmm. You go, oh my God, like, 
because she's been my buddy for the past two years, yeah. right? Just her yeah. and I. And then it's like, that's all about to change. And yeah. how's the dynamic going to work? And it's quite emotional. And mm. so, yeah, after she had left, I, I rang my midwife. I left it till 9 a.m. So I was like, I'll get, let her get her work done. And I said, hey, look, I just want to let you know where I'm at. I'm having these contractions every, like, I don't know, 10-ish minutes sort of thing. And da, da, da. she was like, cool, awesome. Give me a call when you've got two to three in, in 10 minutes again. Um, so I rang her at nine and then um, I said to Scott, cool, I just need to keep busy. So I actually baked a whole bunch of muffins for Ruby and Scott <laughs> did all the cleaning and we just did that thing. So I remember hearing about people doing that in their pregnancy. I was like, well, how can people do that? But I so get that this time because <laughs> yeah. I just needed to be busy. And yeah. I would just breathe through each contraction and Scott would do the same acupressure on my lower back as he did yeah. last time, which was great. So I just wandered around. I had a Swiss ball at home, so sitting on that. Um, and I actually remember sitting there during um a contraction and i had to i just googled can labor be enjoyable because i was loving it and i <laughs> sound like a freak right because i this is who loves labor i was friggin' loving it it was amazing i was like my body is opening up this is incredible like i was doing these great hypnobirthing techniques it was all amazing and so that's why I literally had to Google. I was like, is this normal? Like, is this, and maybe mm. I'm not in labor because I'm just enjoying it so much. But I was. Um, yeah, so I ended up bringing Michelle at 10.30 a.m. and saying, look, I'm having um, two to three in 10 minutes. And I have been for about past an hour. You know, I just wanted to leave it as long as possible. And she said, cool, well, let's, let's head in um, to the, I'll meet you at the hospital around 11.30. Because we know with your labor, it can progress, progress quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so... I was like, cool, we'll just have some lunch and stuff. And by this point, I'd had like lunch, morning tea, uh, sorry, breakfast, morning tea and lunch because I was really conscious of eating this time. Um, so definitely loaded up on the food, which is a great idea if you're able to mm-hmm. eat, um, just to kind of sustain you throughout the labor. We went into the hospital, um, got there kind of 11.45-ish. Um, and my during the car ride, my contractions had slowed every seven minutes. And I was like, damn, like we've gone in too early. Like, I've, I've, I've stopped it, you know. And when we got in there, I said that to Michelle. I was like, I'm, like, kind of a bit worried that it's stopped. She's like, no, just get into your flow. And we had, um, she had arranged to have room eight at Wellington Hospital, which is, like, kind of what they call, like, the natural room, which is really set up beautifully. It's huge. The pool's amazing. They've got all these ropes and Swiss balls and things that you could want. And it's, I mean, they've got, like, you know, plants and, you know, all greenery on the wall and stuff like that. It was amazing. It was great. Um... So got in there and just, I was kind of, yeah, a bit, in a bit of a weird headspace because I was like, oh, God, everyone's waiting for me now. You know, whereas last time it was like, get in, Ugh, it was awful. This time I was like, oh, I'm just kind of standing around waiting for these things <laughs> to, like, get going. And so they, um, it didn't take long, though. It probably, like, Scott went out to get us sushi because, oh, my God, I've been craving sushi the whole pregnancy. Uh, so yeah. he was like, I'll get this for, for, for postnatal. Um, so he went out and got us sushi, and by the time he came back, I had, um, and that was about one o'clock. So I'd been there for just over an hour. I was in the pool, um, yeah. just because I said to Michelle, "Look, these are these are ramping up." So within an mm. hour, they had ramped up. Got in the pool. Um, would have been yeah about one o'clock, and then just went through transition very clearly in the pool, which was very interesting compared to last time, where I was like, because I didn't, I was in the car and it was mm. all like this horrible blur. But transition in the pool. Um, it was really confronting and incredibly intense, but the, the water definitely helped. But I did get to a point, I did that thing where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this again. And I was like, yes, no, but that's good. That's good. That means I'm close. 
Um, so yeah, was in the was in the pool for quite some time, and then it got to I think it was about two thirty. No, just before two thirty, and I said to Michelle, I just need to know. Maybe it was about quarter past two. I was like, I need to know where I'm at because I feel like I could push, but I'm unsure. It was it was quite weird. She goes, I'll check you because I hadn't had any examinations throughout the whole labour. She goes, I'll check you just so you know where you're at. And I was like, great, that'll be awesome. She was like, okay, baby's right there. <laughs> like you are yeah. you are good. You are full fully dilated. You're good to go. And she coached me. So what I through the hypnobirthing, I was able to breathe Ivy down, but I couldn't breathe her out. So I kind of had in my head that you could still just breathe your baby out without pushing. And I think some people can do that, right? So with some of the hypnobirthing I listen to, but for me that that wasn't happening. So Michelle coached me through how to push, how to use my breath like in the right way, and using a plunger like as an analogy is quite a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, using your breath as a plunger throughout, and so I pushed for about fifteen minutes in the pool, and Ivy's little head popped out, um, and I just the ring of fire this time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I couldn't believe it because this time was, <laughs> there was no episiotomy and yeah. her chin got stuck. So her head was yeah. out, but her chin was stuck. And I just remember being like, oh my, I was like, that is, that is, that hurts so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so painful. And they had, they were still under the water, obviously. And they grabbed some little cloths to kind of help. And I remember we had a student midwife there too, who was great. And she was had her finger kind of there to help as well. Um, and she goes, just give me a little bit more of a push. So I pushed and um, Ivy's head came out and then I just remember it's still that ring of fire and then she goes okay you can just wait for the next contraction and I was just like nah I need to I need to get this done so I just pushed and she just came out fully which was amazing and then straight up onto my chest again which was yeah. great yeah. yeah but it was just like an out-of-body experience it was amazing yeah. like you just kind of are looking at yourself and just and Scott was an incredible birth partner he was yeah. like there the whole time and I was just grabbing him mm. um and he said to me during like, he was like do you want me to get in the pool I was like no I need this whole pool to myself I just need to move around I just need you on the side thank you very much yeah. and he was he was great so I suppose the difference there with him being up the front he didn't get to see Ivy come out whereas mm-hmm. he on the bed you know on with Ruby he did but I mean whatever I needed him where I needed him so it was yeah. um, it was amazing. It was incredible. My God. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, it's so intense, right? But God, it's worth it not having yeah. Yeah. a thing. Beautiful. Yeah, it was, yeah, oh, it was great. And yeah. So did you um, get out of the pool and sort of have her up on the bed? And did you need any stitches this time? What, what sort of happened after having her in the pool? Yeah, so her, her cord wasn't very long. So we couldn't um, pull her up very high. So we yeah. ended up, I mean, the cord, uh, we let it let it go for a oh, it would have been a few minutes you know mm-hmm. slightly delayed cord clamping as well um but michelle said i need to get you out because there's quite a bit of blood in the pool and i just want to yeah. check that you're all right um so scott ended up cutting the cord um and holding onto iv and i stood up and there was so much blood like mm. like heaps and they were like okay we're just gonna get you onto the bed just to check you um and we got onto the bed and, and everything looked okay I had a tiny little tear um, which Michelle did end up stitching up. But what we found, um, so I delivered the placenta on, I didn't have the injection or anything like that, delivered the placenta on the bed, which came out great, so easy, which was amazing. Um, and what she, what she found is when we pulled the placenta out, there was the placenta, and then there was also like a little, like a almost like a double placenta, this little placenta, mm. which was about the size of my palm, like next to it. 
So we wonder if that would had something to do with the bleeding during the pregnancy because it was attached to the placenta, but it was a different sac. It was weird. Yeah. It was very weird. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And after that, I did actually have have like quite quite a few big clots. So I needed yeah. to stay in hospital for an extra like half an hour just to check on me sort of thing mm-hmm. and they they were like and I had my sushi while I was getting stitched up so that was great um <laughs> and I also had Ivy and she latched straight away like Ruby again super lucky um and yeah it was it was just kind of after that I did feel quite lightheaded which I didn't feel with Ruby so I went and had mm-hmm. a shower and stuff I think it was just the amount of blood that came out of it um yeah and then we were laughing because that was all she, so she was born at 243 um, so really, it's bloody quick uh, yeah. like overall. <laughs> and um, Michelle left the hospital at five o'clock. I said, "Look, I got it in, done in a workday for you, nine to five. <laughs> you know, and she was stoked. I was like, "Go have yeah. some wines for me as well, yeah. Friday night." Uh, so we actually uh, Wellington Hospital was full again, um, and Kinnapuru was full, but they but Michelle managed to get um, a room for us um, if we wanted it, and we said, "Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. We will go there for one night." Um, mainly because of the bleeding that I had, but also um, Ruby would have still been awake when we got home as well. Yeah. And I didn't really want to be like, hey, new baby, go to bed, and then wake up in the morning yeah. at 7, because she sleeps 7 till 7, like going, oh, uh-huh, you know, there you go, yeah. another baby. So we just ended up staying one night. We drove out to Kinnapro, again, walked out of the hospital a couple of hours afterwards, um, went to Kinnapro for one night, uh, had a great experience there, and then went home in the morning to our little bubble. Yeah. Yeah. introducing the, the, the sisters to each other yeah how did that go <laughs> it was actually like because ruby's a tornado right she's amazing she's bloody hilarious you know we were like oh god how's this gonna be she walked straight up to ivy and was like bubby and kissed her oh. and hugged her and like patted her head she's been incredible like yeah. i oh i'm so proud of her like yeah. such a good big sister and she's super like i mean she doesn't know her own strength so she can she goes to pat her and she <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. but you know, she means well. Yeah. Um, but she's she's been absolutely amazing. Like, oh, mm. so proud of my little girl. She's such a good yeah. girl. Yeah. Um, I will also mention as well when we got when um, Ivy came out, um, the midwife said, "Oh, do you want to see what she is?" And I was like, "Oh, do you want to see what sex the baby is?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." So at that point, <laughs> you don't even know, you know. You're yeah. like, "Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, girl, okay." I thought I was having another girl, just yeah. the way I was carrying and stuff like that too. So, yeah, quite quite the journey. Yeah, yeah. And how has yeah. your physical recovery? I know that Ivy's still only wee, but how's your yeah. um, physical recovery been this time in comparison to an episiotomy? Um, so much better, so yeah. much better because you don't have the the peeing issue, you know, the stinging mm. or anything like that too. I also forgot to mention after Ruby's um, pregnancy. So in the in the first kind of like six weeks, I. You know, after you give birth like that, you feel like your insides are falling out, right? Like, Mm. it's this horrible feeling. And it kept, I I still felt like that, like, six weeks later. I thought, this isn't right. So I actually ended up going, I thought I had a prolapse. Yeah. So I went to the GP, who was like, I think this is prolapse. You need to go to a physio. Went to a physio. She said, I think this is prolapse, but I can't tell. Went to a gynecologist. um, Mm. And he said, this isn't a prolapse, this is a cyst. So it's a... um, suburethral cyst that had developed after birth yeah. um, okay. so he managed to drain it and get it sorted and and it went away for a year and then it came back and so I'm actually I am going to have to have surgery on that um, just because it keeps coming back mm. um, but we just managed to kind of 
get it sorted for labour, and it wasn't a problem in labour or anything as well. But now yeah. with the you know with the pressure afterwards too, I think well yeah he already, he already said to me during pregnancy, well get it sorted after you have your next baby, like it's not yeah. really a problem. But yeah, yeah. I, that was just something that you know two two medical professionals thought it was a prolapse and it actually mm. wasn't. So it was yeah it was really it was something quite interesting to, to yeah. note, um, yeah. and just that feeling afterwards of you bleed so much and you forget about those things like for your second you go oh god that's right you bleed for ages and then yeah (laughs) you feel like you can't walk around you feel like you know you feel like oh just disgusting for a while but but compared to not having an episiotomy it's been amazing um feeding's been great again so like ridiculous amount of milk i've already got (laughs) heaps in the freezer um, I did end up donating a lot of milk with Ruby's pregnancy as well, about nice. 30 litres, I think I yeah. donated. Wow. Um, so I just had so much. So that was really nice, a really feel-good moment to help people as well. So I'll probably, um, I've actually been giving um, Ruby breast milk as well in a bottle, and she's been loving it. So I was <laughs> like, I might just use some of that for her. And um, that seems to have cleared a cold that she had just nice. last week. So that's quite good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, kind of multi-purpose multi, uh, at the moment, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And I guess I, I know you're only um, a couple of weeks in this time around, but yeah. how are you feeling um, as a mum of two and, you know, those sort of hormonal shifts and I guess yeah. like a big shift just in your whole family dynamics. So how are you feeling now? Yeah, it's um it's interesting now eh? because, I mean, yesterday I ended up taking um, Ruby to kindy gym and obviously I took Ivy with me in the um, capsule what a friggin mission to get to with them out of the door <laughs> yeah. my god I remember yeah. looking at my um clock and I was like it's like 8 a.m I've got an hour and then it was nine and I was like shit I'm still not out the door <laughs> so yeah. um I just just that's something to be aware of but yeah. I think the dynamic um is amazing like we feel really lucky to be a family of four now yeah but I think also I'm like how would I have three because yeah. at the moment Ruby loses the plot Scott will grab her, Ivy loses the plot, I'll grab her, and there's two yeah. of us, you know, so yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but then I'm like, what do you do with a third? Well, I suppose <laughs> at that point, at that point, Ruby would be older if we were going to have a third anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's very cool, but it's also super busy, super, yeah. super busy. <laughs> um, Hormone-wise, day five happened again. Um, I just had a cry in the morning, actually, yeah. this time, and then it went away, so... That was an improvement on an all-day tear fest for me. <laughs> yeah. And it was something, and I think it's just little things, right? I was like, because Ruby is really quite obsessed with Scott at the moment, which is yeah. quite, I mean, that that's quite hard in itself because you feel like oh, yeah. I'm not actually seeing my, my baby. Like, I'm not yeah. seeing my baby girl. Yeah. I've got this new baby, and I feel like I'm not splitting my time. Um, but it's actually quite well-timed because I couldn't deal with Ruby climbing all over me yes. and feeding Ivy at the same time. Yeah. So counting my blessings on that but it did make me feel really crap on you know mm. and I was like that was one thing that triggered me to cry I was like, Ruby hates me oh, you know oh <laughs> yeah. god no. all this sort of stuff um yeah. but yeah just having the time with her I had it was just um the time with her yesterday at kindy gym little bits like that I'd really recommend if you can put the baby down or give the baby to somebody for an hour if you're able to mm-hmm. and just spend some time with your other child just even sit on the ground and play with play-doh with them god it's so fulfilling yeah. it's so yeah. fulfilling just to feel like i do still have my little buddy mm-hmm. yeah super important yeah super important. no i think that's um 
great advice and something I'm definitely going to have to take on board in a couple, yeah, of, couple of weeks' it's time. Hard. It's yeah. hard, but you'll get through it, you know, like our yeah. parents have done it before us, how many people have yeah. done it before us. And yeah. again, recognizing the feelings, right? And going, hey, this is normal. Like, it's yeah. normal to feel crap and yeah. tired and exhausted. And then, yeah. of course, you're going to cry. So, <laughs> yeah, important to talk about it too. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hayley, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey That's with so us. Right. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I know that there'll be lots of listeners out there who really enjoy your story. So, yeah, super grateful you are willing to share. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. And I just want to say thank you for such a great platform. Like, throughout both pregnancies, I have listened to Kiwi Birth Tales the whole time, um, like during all of my long, long walks and things like yeah. that too. It's been so refreshing and just been like, come on Jordan upload the next one <laughs> weekly one you know and just like it's yeah. been it's just so nice to normalize birth every story is different recognize yeah. that everybody has a different story and every, and nobody's right or wrong so yeah. I just want to say thank you for that no, it's thanks. been awesome and I know so many people appreciate it so you're doing yeah. an incredible job well, thank you very much Hayley you are welcome no problem Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. I really loved recording this episode with Hayley, so I'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to send me a message on Instagram or comment on the Instagram post about this episode, or you could send me an email, kiwibirthtales at gmail.com. Otherwise, I look forward to bringing you another awesome episode next week.